Kimberly, Dr. Paul Yanover is on the live line with us, urologist, telemedicine, all of that stuff we're going to learn about today. Doc, welcome to WVON, and happy Friday to you. Hi, Doctor. Happy Friday to you guys. Hey. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. No, uh, it's a pleasure, and, and thank you for joining the WVON family first and foremost. May is Health Awareness Month, so, so obviously we are focusing on our health in this moment uh, of a global pandemic hitting us all. Uh, it, uh, you know, that is taking a lot of the energy um, and attention, as it should, no question about it. But we're glad to have you on to talk about, uh, number one, what you do as a uro- urologist and about telemedicine uh, and how you do that, uh, which is something that uh, as we start talking about a new normal out here in the world of uh, uh, post-coronavirus, post-COVID-19, um, the ability to reach your physician, even even before all of this stuff happened. You know, one of our challenges has always been for people who are busy, who are on the go, uh, trying to find time to reach their medical professionals, their physicians, their specialists like you, and to interact and engage with them uh, so that, you know, you can know what's going on with a patient, know when it's time for them to come in the office and have to see them. If you ever have to come and see them, be able to prescribe medicine, all those things we want to learn from you and your technique and what you're doing with telemedicine. But first, Kimberly, let's get to know Dr. Paul Yanover. Doc, where are you from? Well, I'm originally from uh, northern Indiana. I was actually born in Gary, was raised in Munster, Indiana, so I'm kind of a uh, what we call region rat, and I moved to Indianapolis uh, uh, when I was a little older, uh, but I was you know, essentially born and raised in Indiana. I went to undergraduate school at Indiana University, mm. um, and then uh, I decided to, to go out to New York City, you know, the, uh, the Indiana kid going to the big city, so I went to New York for medical school um, at Mount Sinai uh, School of Medicine, and um, then I came back uh, to the Midwest to Loyola uh, out in Maywood um, to do my surgical training, and that's uh, for urology, which um, is a specialty some people know about. Um, but it's a it's a surgical subspecialty. So what we did was we do two years of general surgery training, and then our program we had four years of urology training. So it was six years in total after medical school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I finished that program, I stayed in Chicago and have been here the whole time. I practice in the heart of the city. Um, I also have a clinic um, on Polk Street um, one day a week. And so, uh, yeah, I've been in practice for a little bit over 16 years. And uh, uh, I practice in a group called Euro Partners, which is a really large single, what we call a single specialty um, surgical uh, group uh, that's all over Chicago. Good, good. Uh, and, you know, you talk yep. surgery, so you are you, you actually perform uh, a surgery. And, you know, when we talk about urology as men and surgery, it's a very delicate area for us, Doc. Uh, but but it, you it, also, it, urology is for women, too. Yeah, and women I, I've well. learned that the hard way. At first, I thought it was just for men. Can you please explain that? No, we're we're equal opportunity. We uh, we do both uh, uh, work on both men and women. So uh, yeah, that's one of those misconceptions about urology is um, they think it's all about old men. And that's uh, while we take care of plenty of older men, um, and there's lots that we need to do. Um, we actually uh, want we our specialty runs a huge gamut. So we we do there's a subspecialty within urology that's pediatric urology. 
Um, and then we do uh, things that help both men and women. So the organs we treat are the kidneys, the ureters, which is the tube that connects the kidney to the bladder. Mm. Um, we uh, treat uh, all the disorders of the bladder. And then, of course, there's the prostate and the urethra. That's uh, on the male side. And we also do testicular stuff, things like uh, testicular cancer and male uh, factor infertility. But on the female side, we also do things like uh, prolapse and urinary incontinence, things where there's some overlap with our gynecology uh, colleagues. But, you know, urology, actually, the, the sort of technical term is genitourinary. So we deal with anything with the urinary tract, um, and we're the surgeons of the urinary tract. So we do do surger surgery, and I am a surgeon, and there's lots of really complex and very big surgeries that we do. Um, but we also, our field also is sort of, uh, it, it straddles the medicine and surgery because there's a lot of things I do in my clinic which are non-surgical. It's mm. um, diagnostics and giving of medicine and that sort of thing, just like a regular medical doctor. So we sort of have one foot in each, in each camp, but we're a surgical subspecialty. So when you hear about people with kidney stones and that attacks both yes. women and men, we deal yes. with that. Um, obviously, prostate cancer is one of the big things, uh, and that's obviously just for men. So it's uh, uh, it's, it's definitely um, both for men and women. That's that's a common uh, misconception. You know, it, it's ironic that you're on the air with me today. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday uh, who lives down in Florida who uh, went had to go to the emergency room. Uh, and this is not the first time this happened to him because he's uh, he's unable to uh, pass his urine. He mm-hmm. is uh, and his prostate, I guess, is swelling up to the point where he's you know he's not un, he's not able to um, pass his urine. So I guess they have to put a catheter in there. The way he was explaining it to me, I was like, whoa. Um, it, it definitely probably made you cross your legs and, uh, and, and yeah. be thankful you weren't him. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> This is one of my close well, friends, so he's giving me all the details too, right? And oh, was, I'm I'm sure. Well, hopefully, he didn't uh, uh, take pictures, but maybe he did. No, <laughs> right, right, uh, no, no. <laughs> and so that's, had, a, that's not, a condition called uh, urinary retention, and uh-huh. it's actually uh, it's one of those things. Where it, it can be actually very dangerous, incredibly painful, and that is definitely one of the things uh, that urologists, you know, we take care of. And again, you know, as I always tell people, there's a lot of things in life you don't appreciate till you can't do it. And, and urinating is one of them. Um, yep. And, you know, getting those catheters in, managing catheters, um, and dealing with people who can't urinate, both men and women. That, it can happen for both, but it, it happens a lot more often with men. And that's something definitely that as urologists, we that's, that's what we do. That's what we manage. That's what we deal with. Um, helping him, he's going to need probably an evaluation. He's going to need medication. And ultimately, he may actually need a... Uh, a, a surgery to help him um, get back to uh, to normal. See, that's what I was asking him yesterday as well, Doc, because he had had this, uh, he had said that he had had this before and he had been inserting the, uh, the catheter himself and he couldn't mm-hmm. do it, so he had to go to the the emergency room. And I, and I kept asking him, what's next? What's next for you? I'm like, is it surgery? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. He's like, to what you just said, he's got to go back next week for some testing, and then I'm one of these people that um, 
is about lifestyle. Is there anything lifestyle-wise that men can do? Because I'm in that age group right with them. Like I said, this is one of my buddies, one of my peers. Sure, yeah. Is there anything lifestyle-wise that we should be thinking about changing about ourselves so as maybe to protect our prostate? Well, you know, I get asked that question all the time because people want to know both, you know, for enlarged prostates or people who have urinary problems, but also with prostate cancer, right? And, and, and we deal with kidney cancer and bladder cancer and testicular cancer, but it's really prostate cancer, which is a lot more common. It's one of the most common uh, cancers out there. And that's the one that people hear about. And, and, and when patients come in, that's what they want to talk about. And I get asked that all the time. People say, well, what can I do? Which always, on one hand, impresses me that people want to be proactive about their health. Now, again, you know, I'm dealing with people who already got to the doctor. So I'm dealing with a, you know, population that have already made the effort to get to a doctor. So they're interested in, in being proactive about their health. But, uh, you know, it's funny, as Americans, you know, we want to do something, but most people just want to take a pill or do something that's a quick fix. And nobody ever really likes my answer, which is, well, the things you can do won't really affect your prostate per se, but they're really important to do because it can potentially help your prostate, but it helps the rest of your body. So what I, you know, and I launch into, you know, a discussion with the patient about eating well, getting exercise, keeping their weight down, don't smoke, get lots of sleep, be careful about, you know, alcohol intake, Bones. get your blood pressure under control, yep. control your diabetes, all the stuff you would have heard time and time again. You hear it from all your different types of doctors. But as I explained to patients, you know, there's not too much you can do to be proactive about your prostate, you know, specifically. But don't forget, you got a whole body attached to that prostate. And the chances, you know, you're seeing your buddy go through something pretty horrible and you want to prevent that from happening. And that, you know, that means going to the doctor for regular checkups and make sure you're paying attention to your body and you don't, don't ignore the, the signs, right? Because I got a lot of patients who come to me who've ignored stuff. You know, they blew it off and they didn't want to come to the doctor. They were scared or they were embarrassed or they were just, you know, just didn't want to deal with it. And then by putting stuff off is when you really get into trouble. But as I explained to patients, look, you know, the chances of you having a prostate problem versus the chance of you having a heart attack or stroke or going on dialysis, you're much like, much more likely to have a stroke or, or a heart attack if you don't take care of your body. Mm. So all those in, all those things which are not very exciting, right? Who, no. who wants to exercise and eat well? Right. You know, it's not that much fun, but it's really, really important. And, um, and there, is, there is data to support, like for prostate cancer. Everyone's really worried. Most men who come in are worried about prostate cancer, and there's lots of data to show that eating well, just eating lots of fruits and vegetables, avoiding the foods you know are not good, right. fried foods, foods that are high in saturated fat, all the stuff that's fun to eat, all the stuff right. you can get plenty of in Chicago, right? Deep dish, deep dish <laughs> pizza with sausage and a side of fries and five guys down with a Coke, you know, <laughs> it just, it tastes really good, but yeah. it's just not good for your body. Yeah. That's interesting. I got a phone call. Dr. For you, Yonover, but... let's, let's, oh, well, let me ask this question really quickly mm -hmm. though. Um, something that really impacts a lot of people, two things, this idea of kidney issues maybe you can talk yep. about that a little bit more and how you address that because i know people i had kidney stones once before i had to see oh, yeah. a urologist um 
And also urinary tract infections. That's something that many, many people get, and they get them time and time again. Yeah, and, and those are things that, that keep me busy. Uh, urinary tract infections, blood in the urine. Whenever there's blood in the urine, that's, that's a potential danger sign, that, and that could be a sign of an infection or a kidney stone. Or it can be other things like bladder cancer, kidney cancer, those sorts of things. And those are things that I see every single day. Um, and I'm sorry you've had a kidney stone, but it's uh, it, it's definitely a, uh, not a fun experience. Um, but no, one of the uh, most painful track, things I've ever experienced. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's one of those things that I, I knock on wood whenever I see it that, that I haven't yet had one um, because uh, they're certainly not a fun experience. But um, no, I I deal with uh, urinary tract infections uh, all the time, and that's uh, both for men and women. It actually uh, does it tend to attack women a lot more and that has to do with anatomy mostly um the female urethra is actually a lot shorter than the male urethra and so it's very it's a lot uh easier for bacteria to get into the bladder in a woman than it is for a man um now the men who get urinary tract infections tend to have big prostates their bladder isn't emptying very well sometimes they have stones in their bladder and that's the source of these infections so if somebody has um, infections every once in a while, occasionally they're, they're kind of annoying and painful, uh, primary care docs and um, gynecologists and such, you know, they can take care of those. But when women or men get recurrent or infections over and over again, then they should see a urologist because right. there's some other things that we can do, some tests we should be doing, making sure that you're, tra- you're, em- you're emptying your bladder, you don't have a stone, and there's other sort of strategies we can do to help sort of prevent or spread out the number of infections people get. The kidney stones. And the reason why I ask that is because, especially in older people, it is very dangerous because it can lead to sepsis, which will literally take you out. Absolutely. And and in fact, uh, and my family is well aware of this because, uh, you know, every once in a while in the middle of the night, I have to leave the house or I get phone calls because um, urinary tract infections that are... um, that are unaddressed can be deadly, absolutely. And then actually when you're talking about urinary tract infections and kidney stones, when they go together, that's uh, extremely uh, dangerous. And that's actually one of the urologic emergencies that that exists. Um, And and, in patients who have fevers and an infection coupled with an obstructing uh, kidney stone. So if a stone has dropped from the kidney into the ureter, which is that tube that that helps urine get from the kidney to the bladder, there's a stone in there blocking up the urine and you have start getting fevers, that can be a life-threatening emergency that we have to deal with right away. So um, thankfully it doesn't happen very often. I mean, kidney stones are very painful, but they're rarely uh, coupled with an infection. But when they go together, that can be a real problem. All right, we got a phone call uh, for you, Doc, on the line. Some of what you're saying reminds me, I had a urologist years ago. A guy named Wow, Dr. both Matt and Kim both had urologists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was when I was in my 20s. A guy named uh, Dr. Herbert Sohn, right up on the north side. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I know Remember? Dr. Sohn. Uh, may he rest in peace. He he, uh, One of the, uh, he passed uh, the, not that long ago, but he's a, he was a pillar of urology in oh Chicago. Oh, my God, man. And hilarious when you went into his office as a yeah, patient. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious, right? But he gave me the sheet of paper. It was called The Bland Diet. And yep. and to your point about be, it being boring, 
all the things on this on this list not to uh, eat or drink. I was like, Doc, this is <laughs> this is everything, man. And we enjoy everything. right. It's your Friday night, <laughs> right? Right. Suck the life out of me. All the all the, the fun of the party. Oh right my out. God. Uh, rest his soul because he he was a great guy. Absolutely. Lawrence is on line one, Dalvin. Let's go to line one. And Lawrence, Lawrence, welcome to WVON. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. You're on with Doctor Yanover. Yeah. Hey, good um, afternoon, Lawrence. Question. Yeah, uh, how can you tell when your number's high? What is a high number? Are you talking about uh, for uh, prostate cancer screening? What number you're looking no, for, for there? Prostate, for you know, for your, for, you know, for PSA. What's the high number? Well, mm, that's a, a great question. I wish I had a simple answer for you, but I'll I'll try not to make it too long. So, prostate cancer screening, which is really really important, um, particularly in African American men, but in uh, men of uh, all races, um, it's really important to get screened, and that involves an examination of the prostate with something called a rectal exam, but also the PSA number, which is a blood test. Um, PSA is prostate-specific antigen. It's actually been around for a really long time, since really, uh, I think, uh, sort of like the late 80s. And the number that's, and to your question, the number which is normal is contextual. So it's not just a black and white this is normal and this is abnormal. What we used to use years and years and years ago as a normal cutoff was the number 4.0. And anything lower than that was considered quote-unquote normal, and anything above that was abnormal. But the way that they determined what was normal and abnormal was sort of a fancy statistical way to try to figure out, you know, when you do this test, how many people are you going to put through extra testing versus you're not putting them through extra testing. It's, and it's basically, it was sort of, what's the risk? And that's really the way it should be looked at. So the higher the number, the higher the risk is that you have prostate cancer. And, but it also depends on, you know, when I see a patient, we do, and, and they come in either with their number or I draw the blood and then we, we uh, see what the number is, I talk to them about it. You know, a lot of it depends on how old their patient is, because if you're really young, if you're 35, 40, 45, 50, that number should be actually pretty low, like less than one. And so if it's uh, kind of high, but not actually past that 4.0 number, that may be pretty abnormal if you're a pretty young guy. The other thing is that we know that prostate cancer, and we're still trying to figure this out for many, many decades, we've been looking at it, and we still haven't figured it out completely, Prostate cancer attacks black men more often than white men. Um, African-Americans have higher rates of diagnosis of prostate cancer. They also have higher rates of death from prostate cancer. And, you know, that's a whole other topic, a whole other discussion as to why. They're still trying to sort that out. But I take that into account because I, I actually get much more aggressive about screening and looking for prostate cancer in my African-American men, because I know that it's more likely to be there. So we take age, we take family history into account. So if you have a bunch of people in your family, your brothers, your nephews, your uncles, your father, your grandfather, what we call first-degree relatives on both the man, on the on the mom's side and on the dad's side, um, we take that into account too, because if you have one, two, or three first-degree relatives with prostate cancer, we know that your risk is a lot higher. Wow. So... It, that's my uh, quick answer. That's my long answer to your short question. But right. I'll tell you, anybody out there who has a PSA that's more than four, 
That should absolutely be discussed, at least with a urologist. And anything over 10 is really worrisome. All right, Doc, we are running out of time here. Next week, I do want to get into telemedicine and what you are doing to uh, see patients. But before we let you go, I want you to give our listeners your information, because like Lawrence, there are a lot of our listeners out there that have questions that are in this age group, uh, in particular about their prostate. How can they check with you, make an appointment, or even take part in maybe telemedicine? Yeah, in fact, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about telemedicine. We could do that next time because right now that's exactly how we're seeing almost all of our patients. Great. We're seeing new and established patients in my practice. Uh, Anybody can see me. Uh, All I have to do is call 732811011. That's 2811011. And they can call my office. They can ask for Dr. Paul. And uh, as long as we're, uh, you have an insurance plan that we, uh, we take, uh, we'd be happy to see you. We'd be basically now are just taking um, telemedicine visits, which we'll talk about next time, but it's yep. really easy. Uh, it's a great platform for me to interact with patients, and I'd love to, uh, to talk to anybody. All right. You got my so attention. Great to talk to you, yeah. doctor. I think you got everybody's attention. Dr. Paul Yanover, everybody. We will be talking yeah. to him next week and get into telemedicine and a lot more. 